Well, good morning, HSM. So glad to see you guys here today. And uh, I want to start off this morning a little bit different. Um, many of you are aware of um, what happened with two North Cobb students on Friday night. And I got the news yesterday morning. And, um, you know, guys, there's not a ton of, not a ton of words um, for moments like this. And uh, I know that there's a lot of you in the room uh, that are hurting and are really upset because they're friends. They were close. Uh, you saw them in the hallway. You played with them. Um, and, man, it's just a, it's a sad deal. And so the way I want to start off today before we dive into uh, what we're going to be talking about is, man, I just would love to have a time of prayer for um, not only their families, but um, for James as well, who's um, currently uh, in the hospital. And so I would love, man, if we came together and prayed just as a body and as a family for them and, and for their families. So uh, let me pray. Lord, we come to you today um, with lots of questions and and not many answers, God. And we realize that this is one of those times where we don't, we don't always understand what you're doing. And, and this plan that we talk about and this plan that we're going to talk about today, God, it, it doesn't always make sense to us. But we realize that you are in control, that your hand is on all, and that you haven't forgotten about what's going on here. God, your eyes have been on this place. Your eyes have been on those two, North Cobb. Man, that has been with us the entire time. And so, first and foremost, Lord, I just want to lift up both families that are hurting. Um, one left without a child. Um, it's just, I can't imagine what that's like, Father. And so, for where that family's sitting right now, God, I just pray peace over their lives. I just pray for uh, the Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way. I pray that, Lord, it would just be a comforting place. Lord, that you would just bring some sense of peace to their spirits today. God, and for James's family, I just pray for continued strength. I pray as um, they're watching him fight and he's on this road to recovery, God, that, um, Lord, that you would give them the ability to stand and be strong with him and walk with him step by step through this journey, Lord. And we thank you for protecting him and we just ask your hand on his healing, God, that you would be with him and you would help to heal him um, emotionally and physically, God, and do what only you can do. And we're asking you to move in a mighty, mighty way. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's your name we pray, amen. We've got uh, prayer request cards that are outside. Um, if you guys, um, man, want to write down a prayer request, whether it's that or you want to just talk about something else going on in your lives, um, man, we love praying for you guys. That's something that we really enjoy doing because we want to be there with you, not only in the uh, great times of life where it feels like everything's awesome and you're just wanting to celebrate. We love being there for that, but Man, we know what it feels like to sometimes be in that valley, and you just need somebody in your corner, and we're honored to be there for that as well. Today, we're continuing in our Daniel series, and last week, we introduced you to Daniel, and 
man, he got thrown into a, a tough spot right out of the get-go. He's this kid, he's a teenager, he's taken out of his homeland, and he's taken to this place called Babylon, and he's forced into the king's court, and he doesn't want to eat the same food. And so then they begin this test where he's going to eat his diet versus the king's diet. If he loses, he's going to lose his life. So there's a lot at stake for Daniel. And um, he eats vegetables and water for 10 days and then comes away healthier than anybody else. And so we got this glimpse into Daniel's faithfulness. We began to see that, okay, man, there's something special about this guy. There's something um, notable about who Daniel is and we're going to get to continue that today because Daniel again is thrust into the spotlight. I mean, this cat has just gotten on the scene and now he keeps finding himself himself in this really difficult predicament because the king that reigned over the land at the time was a man named Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, and if you're wondering how you spell Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchad. Nezer, okay? Um, that's how I have to remember it because when I type it into my notes, I keep getting the spell check and it's driving me crazy. But Nebuchadnezzar is the king and he's a tough dude. He is mean, he's bad, he reigns over a whole lot of people. But Nebuchadnezzar has begun to have these dreams. And there's really something about kings during this time who want answers to their dreams. We saw it with Joseph um, and Potiphar, but they want answers to these dreams. And so he's gone to his magicians, he's gone to the enchanters, he's gone to sorcerers, because he wants to know what these things mean. And Nebuchadnezzar's threatened to kill anyone who couldn't interpret the dream, which, just practically speaking, that doesn't seem very fair, does it? I don't know if that's totally right. I mean, obviously, it's not right to kill somebody for not being able to interpret a dream. But it really seems like the odds are just stacked against you, okay? So Nebuchadnezzar is threatening to kill anybody who couldn't interpret the dreams that he has. And so Daniel's brought in before the king to interpret it. But God has given him what this dream is. So God has gone to Daniel and spoken to him and told him what Nebuchadnezzar's dream is. So we're picking up this story halfway through in verse 25 is where we're kicking off. It says this, Then Arioch brought Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation." The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, astrologers can show to the king the mystery that he has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, the thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries and made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be, known, may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So Daniel takes a really interesting approach because he's brought before and he's told that, man, we need this dream interpreted. And he says, look, I'm not any different than the people that you've brought in here. I'm not 
any smarter. I'm not any wiser than the people that you've brought before the king already. But here's the difference. I've gone to God about this, and God has given me the answer to this dream. God has let me know what it is. So this isn't of my own accord. I'm not the one who's done this. This has been given to me from the highest of highs so that the king may have his dream interpreted. So Daniel goes on to interpret the dream perfectly. I mean, he lays out exactly what the king was seeing in his dreams and then tells him what it means. And I want you to check out what happens in verse 46. It says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. That's a big deal. So the king falls on his face and paid homage to Daniel, the slave that he just brought in. He just brought in this teenager from Judah not that long ago, and now the king of the most powerful nation in the world at the time is falling on his face before this kid. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. So he's gone from serving everybody to now he's got servants. Like he's moved up the ladder like that. But then check out this last verse. Daniel made a request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. So you've got Daniel, who keeps getting put in these really sticky situations where his life is on the line. And the king has forced him to interpret this dream. God gives him the dream, and now the king has given him more power than he probably could have ever imagined he was going to have in this nation. But there had to be a moment during the journey, where it might not be written in Scripture, but it had to run through Daniel's mind because it runs through our minds all the time. And the thought is this, where is God leading me? I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a predicament or in a moment of crisis where you've been alone with your thoughts. Maybe you're riding in the car, maybe you're in your room. And you just go, God, what are you doing with my life? I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense to me. Because here's the deal. If that hasn't happened to you yet, it probably will. There's probably going to be this moment where you have what we call a crisis of belief. And you go, God, what are you doing with my life? God, what are you trying to show me? This has to be what Daniel's thinking, right? Remember where we left Daniel last. He had been tested for 10 days. His life had already been tested one time to see if he was going to get to live or not. And he placed his faith in God, and God provided. And now, all of a sudden, he's turning around again, and this king wants him to interpret this dream, or he's going to be killed. There's got to be a moment where Daniel goes, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you do this to me? Why would you put me in this situation? Couldn't you pick somebody else? 
Those are thoughts that I've had. And I'm sure there are thoughts that have run through your mind before too. It's okay not to understand what God's doing in our lives. But I want you guys to get that it's not okay to lose faith and faithfulness as a result. Because these are the two paths that end up diverging. Where there's a moment of crisis and people either double down on their faith and they're walking with the Lord and going, you know what, I've trusted him once, I'll trust him a thousand more times to see me through. And then like we talked about last week, if it doesn't work out, man, I know what awaits me. Like I know what lays out in front of me. I know the promise that's been made to me for an eternity with him in heaven. And then there's another group of us that get to this fork in the road and we turn and go, you know what, man, God's, God didn't see me. I don't know what God's doing with me. I'm going to try to take the reins back of my own life. I'm going to try to take control of what I'm doing and who I am. And we begin to lose faith and faithfulness as a result. That's why we see so many people that end up walking away from the church for extended periods of time or never coming back. It doesn't just happen because they wake up one day and go, you know what? Yeah, I'm good. Like, I think I've got it figured out. A lot of times it comes from a crisis of belief. It comes from a moment where they're having to make a decision about who they're going to trust because they don't understand where God is leading them. The picture is incredibly fuzzy at the time and they decide that it's best for them to try to lay out their own path rather than trusting in the one that's already been laid out for them. And so the way that we're going to go about this today is I'm going to try to answer the question where God's leading me with answers that sometimes I've wondered before. Because it's really easy to go, well, man, you've just, you've got to trust God. You've got to believe. You got, and you guys know this. Like, there's this practical knowledge of what you know. And then there's the heart knowledge of putting it into action and actually moving forward with it. And there's questions that pop up in our brain that we're going to try to answer. So when we ask ourselves where God is leading me, I don't know about you, but I've been in a place before, we can put that first one up on the screen, where I've asked myself this question. Man, is God in control? So this is our first thought. God won't put you in a place that he doesn't control. God's not going to lead you to a spot where all of a sudden you're isolated or God can't get there. There is no barbed wire fence of life where God gets up to it and goes, oh man, I, I can't cross right here. This fence is too big. I guess, that's barbed wire. It's an electric fence. I'm gonna get shot. I can't, God doesn't do that. There's nothing that reigns God in. I want you to check out what, I love how Daniel attacked this in the, 28th verse. He said, but there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days, your dream and the visions of your head. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known 
to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Here's why that's so interesting. If there was to be a place on earth where God was not there, it would have been Babylon. Babylon was such a bad place that if we're just going, you know what, like there's no way God is there anymore, it would be in that place because it was so wicked and it was so evil. We think sometimes like Atlanta's bad or Ackworth or Kenneth, it is nothing compared to Babylon. When you flip to the book of Revelation and they're talking about the personification of evil, like what just pure evil is in the world, they talk about Babylon. So you're probably, I can't imagine one day at the end when the angels are crying down from heaven, you know, they're not yelling about Atlanta. Like they are yelling about how bad of a place Babylon is. When they raided Daniel's homeland, they went into the temples where they would worship the Lord, where Jewish people would come together, and they took all of the relics out of those temples and brought them back to Babylon and put them in their own temples where they would either worship themselves, worship their own gods, and destroyed them. Like, these are evil people. And yet God was with Daniel in the worst place on earth. And in that moment of your life, where you're wondering if God's in control and you're wondering if God could actually be with you through this, he is. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't changed your plan. It's still moving forward, even when we can't see what's going on. I love this quote from John Piper. He says this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of about three of them. So God's doing thousands of things in your life right now, and you might be aware that there's three of them going on, maybe. And you might not understand any of those three. Like, that is just how God works. He is already beginning to lay out for you your future plans. You've been introduced to people that, It's going to be a connection later on down the line that you had no idea was going to change your life because you met them when you were in 10th grade. God is always working on your behalf. Know that there's not a place that he doesn't control. So when you begin to ask yourself that question, when the enemy wants to distract you because that's where it's going to start, Satan's number one objective is to make you begin to doubt what God's already told you is true. So when you begin to doubt that God's in control, know that there is no place on earth that he isn't in control. The next thing, when we talk about where's God leading me and we're trying to figure that out, We've got to understand gaining wisdom from God comes from time with God. Gaining wisdom from God 
comes from time with God. Check out what Daniel said in verse 30. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be, no, may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Daniel didn't come to this revela- revelation of scripture on his own. He began to realize it after he sought counsel and he prayed to the Lord that he would be able to understand this dream, that he would be able to interpret this dream. Here's the hard part of all of this. Here's the hard part of this idea of gaining wisdom from God comes from time with God. We often want the end results of what walking with God will bring us, but we don't want to do what's required to get there. So we want the end results. Like, we love where this story ends up, right? Because Nebuchadnezzar ends up bowing before Daniel. He moves Daniel up the food chain. Daniel is now in charge of a lot of stuff happening in Babylon. Like, that's what we want, if we're being honest. We want to see the end result of this thing. But we're not always willing to do what's required to get there. And what's required to get there is a day-by-day-by-day process of spending time with the Lord and trusting in him. If Daniel was just turning the switch on and off of trusting God, he wouldn't have ended up here. But this was a daily thing that he had been preparing for. Maybe this example might help. So in professional sports, we'll just stay in America. So professional soccer, hockey, basketball, baseball, football. You combine all those athletes together There's only a few hundred in each sport. So really, there's only about a thousand or so, quote-unquote, professional athletes, okay? There's millions of people living in the United States. And every time you go to one of those games, I always end up sitting next to the guy that should be out there. I don't know if this happens to you or not, right? Where the guy's sitting there going, pfft. I could do that. I did that in high school. Like, ah, if they let me play. I'm just going to tell you, if you're like that, stop it right now, okay? (laughs) Just don't be that person. Number two, if you go to a game with me and that happens, just escort me out because it drives me crazy. There's millions of people that sit at home watching the Super Bowl going, I would have made that play. I would have done this. I would have done... No, you wouldn't. You're sitting on your couch, okay? Do you know why you're sitting on your couch? Because you weren't willing to do the work that was required to be in that moment. Does it help to be six foot five and 300 pounds sometimes? Yes. But at the end of the day, we weren't willing to sacrifice all the mornings, all the summers, all of the workouts, all of the film, like nobody wants to put in the sacrifice to be on the stage except for a select few. And the same is true with our faith, guys. We all want the end result. We all want what's coming at the end of the day. And yet, 
There's only a few that are willing to day by day spend time with the Lord and trust him. Spend time with the Lord and trust him. Spend time with the Lord and trust him. And you might be sitting out there going, I don't even know where to start. Okay, I want to be somebody that can gain wisdom from God from the time that I spend with him, but I don't know where to start. Well, I would love to help you with that this morning. I'm going to challenge you. If you're wondering where to begin this journey, start reading in the Gospels and start a chapter a day. Start in the book of Matthew and read a chapter a day. And then I want you to pray this acronym, and it's called ACTS. It's an acronym called ACTS. And it's, man, just pray God's adoration. Tell God how great he is. Tell him that, man, he is above all else and that he's in control of all. Confess anything that's going on in your life that you know shouldn't be there. Acknowledge that, man, you've got a sinful heart, that, you're a, that you've got a sin problem, and turn it over to him. Give thanks for what God's doing in your life. Thank him for who he is and how he's moving in your life and your family's life and your friend's life. And then pray for supplication, which is what we want. Pray for those things that, mean, that worry you. Pray for those things that concern you. Pray for those things that you're really hoping are going to work out. Turn it over to him. If we just did that every single day, I think you would be amazed at the perspective you would walk away with. And how you would turn back around the next time you were in a moment of crisis and you would realize the wisdom that you're finding. Not from anything academic that you've done, but from the time that you've spent with the Lord. Because we're never going to gain something that we're not willing to work for. There's our last thought. So when we ask ourselves the question, where's God leading me? If we are willing to walk, God will do the rest. A lot of times it feels like we, we kind of want to bargain with God, right? Like we want to make a side deal. We want to make a plea agreement of, man, God, if I do this, if I do this, I really need you to come and, and do this in my life. Like, I need some kind of balance of power here. I need you to give me what I want. So if you're asking me to share the gospel with a friend at school, okay, I'll do it. But in return, I want this to happen. Just walk and allow God to do the rest. Literally, just move your feet and trust that it's going to be okay. Trust that he's got a plan laid out for you. And allow him to do everything else. Because if you haven't caught on yet, guys, the more we try to take control of our own lives, the worse it gets. I have to remind myself of this constantly because I like to be in control of things. I'm a little OCD sometimes. But when I try to control my own life and I'm trying to control the things that I want, I somehow find myself in a bigger mess than I would have been if I would have just trusted what God was doing. 
And I don't want you to look back wishing that you had trusted more. Just begin to walk today. Just begin to walk knowing that God's going to do the rest and that he is going to take care of you and that he is going to see you through. I love how this story ended because it really is amazing and it shows that God's hand was in on it. The king answered and said to Daniel in verse 47, Truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Because Daniel walked in faithfulness, Nebuchadnezzar's eyes were open to God. So a man that was so self-consumed, next week we're going to talk about, he builds this massive statue of himself, realizes that because of Daniel's faithfulness, man, there is a God and he's working. And think about that. That's a king that can influence millions of people is now beginning to realize, man, there might be a one God, a creator of the universe. And he's realizing this because of what Daniel has done, because Daniel just walked and trusted that God was going to see him through. Daniel wasn't looking for gifts and recognition. He could have just taken that position as chief prefect and gone, you know what, God, you're good. I appreciate you getting me out of this. Like, this has been rough. But many of you, the story that you're familiar with is Daniel and the lion's den. Like, that's coming. So his journey wasn't over. Daniel wasn't working for gifts and recognition. He could have cared less if he got the recognition of Nebuchadnezzar. He was just walking in faithfulness. He was just trusting that God was going to lead him and see him through. That's all it was. So the position wasn't the goal. But seeing people come to know God was the goal. And guys, I pray that is the goal of each and every one of our lives. We don't care what we get. The recognition means nothing. We just want to see people's eyes and hearts open to the gospel and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And man, if that's all you live for in your time here on earth, that is going to be one beautiful life. And yet often we're so sidetracked by other stuff and we just try walking on our own because we don't trust that God's going to see us through. He didn't influence Nebuchadnezzar's thoughts on God's through his words, but he did it through his actions. So let me ask you this, and this is the question I want us to wrap up with today. What are you doing in faithfulness to show others who God is? What are you doing in faithfulness to show others who God is? What steps are you taking? Are you just trusting that God's gonna see you through are you going to him every day so that you can get wisdom from him about how to go about your day? Do you believe that he's in control of even the worst situation you could be in? Or are you standing at the other end of the road questioning if God's even in it for you?
questioning if he's got your plan messed up and thinking that you need to take control of the reins again. Spoiler alert, God doesn't let Daniel down. Daniel continues to trust and God continues to see him through. And people's lives and people's hearts are changed because of it. And I want everybody to look at me for this. And a spoiler alert for your life, God's gonna see you through too. He's not gonna let you down. He's not gonna forget about you. He's not gonna get mad at you and move on to somebody else that's living life better. He's going to see you through too. Our job, walk in faith. Trust Him. Spend time with Him. And I think you'll be amazed when you look back on the course of your life of the things that happen. Would you pray with me? God, if we're just being honest in this place today, in our own personal, intimate time with you. Is anybody in here willing to say, man, I walked in here wondering what God's doing with my life. You can just slip your hand up. I'm wondering, what is God doing with me? God, what do you want for me? How are you gonna work in me? Father, I pray right now against attacks from the enemy. Lord, that those lies and those thoughts would be done away with in your name. Because just like you were seeing Daniel through and Daniel was trusting in what you were doing in his life, God, you're gonna see these students through too. And although the situation may seem bleak, may seem like the odds are stacked up against us, God, you aren't going to let us go. But for us to understand that, we've got to walk with you daily and trust in you with everything. And I pray that we walk out of here in confidence, not wondering if you're going to be able to do it, but knowing that you're going to be able to do it. I pray that we walk with you daily, knowing you're not going to leave us, and trust in you daily because you have a greater plan than anything we could concoct for ourselves. So God, give us that confidence, give us that strength, and allow us to walk with you and you handle the rest because it's too big for us anyways. God, we love you and we thank you. It's your name that we pray, amen.